We're going to continue to talk today about traveling light. And in this series, basically what we're doing is we want to help uh, all of us take a look at the things that we carry around, like this baggage that's up here, and the things that weigh us down spiritually and emotionally. We want to see the instructions that God gives us to release some of this baggage in our lives and not have to really carry it around for the rest of our lives. So today, here's the schedule here. Last week, we talked about letting go of distractions. If you want to hear that and you missed it, you can go on to our website, fogkc.com. You can hear all of our past sermons uh, on there. And so that's uh, F-O-G, Fellowship of Grace, fogkc.com. Today, we're going to talk about getting rid or letting go of bitterness. Next week, we'll talk about letting go of control, which is perfect for Christmas, and then letting go of your past right before the first of the year. And so please uh, come and see how God can maybe help you uh, do that. But today, we're going to talk about letting go of bitterness. And let's say, for instance, this bag right here is, is bitterness. You know, bitterness, it's, a, it's an interesting topic. It can be carried around for weeks, maybe months. And for some people, they carry this around for years. Like a suitcase, uh, sometimes uh, the longer we carry it, kind of the heavier they get. It becomes a really difficult weight. That may start because we get offended about some little teeny tiny thing, maybe a, a misunderstanding or somebody says something that uh, catches us wrong or whatever, and we have this uh, place where we kind of butt heads and we have this disagreement, and so we have some bitterness. Uh, but it also may start because somebody has deeply, deeply wounded us Maybe they've taken advantage of us, maybe even abused us, and we just can't seem to put this down. Oh, we get tired of carrying it around for sure, but we can't seem to shake it. We lose sleep. We can feel very isolated. Our relationships can be damaged, and we can actually fail to trust other people for the rest of our lives because we just keep carrying around bitterness that we have for some people. Today, I want to give you God's advice for simply letting it go. And I thought about singing that Frozen song right here, let it go, but I'm not going to do that, okay? Just let it, let it go. Not carry it around anymore. Not let it get to be such a heavy weight anymore. And perhaps going into this Christmas holiday, you'll have a lighter load for the first time in your life of not carrying around bitterness of things that have happened in your life years or months or, you know, whenever ago, sometimes decades. So let's uh, start and talk about a few principles here today. First, at the heart of bitterness is unforgiveness. At the heart of bitterness is unforgiveness. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 and 15. It says this, Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble. Now, the definition of bitterness is unresolved anger or disappointment at being treated unfairly. It means you've got some resentment. Now, first we see in this passage that it should be our goal to be at peace with everyone, now, I like the way the New American Standard says this. It says, if it be up to you, or if it is up to you, be at peace with everybody. I love the way it says that because, frankly, it's not up to us completely to be at peace with everybody because they have a part in it too. But the way it says it, the way God's really clear is, hey, listen, as much as you carry your part, 
You be at peace with everybody. Sorry to bring it up again, but universal rule number one, Michael Porter's universal rule number one comes into play again. Can't control anybody on the planet but myself and barely that, right? But we can't control ourselves. So I can be at peace with people. Now they may not be at peace with me. They may still wanna hate me and despise me. They may still wanna do me wrong. I can't control that. I can't do anything about that. But as far as my response to that, I can be at peace with them. And so as much as it's up to me, be at peace with everybody. In this passage, we also see that it calls bitterness a root of bitterness. Now, why does he use that term? Well, because it springs up. It, it kind of like sprouts. And then it says in that passage that it, it grows to the place where it causes all kinds of trouble. It's a root because sometimes it's hidden beneath the surface. You can't see all the roots of your trees, but they're there because they're preparing to bear fruit. That's the same thing with bitterness. It may be hidden. You may be able to keep a you know, smiley face on the outside, but if that bitterness is rooted in there, it's going to eventually bear some fruit. It's fruit like thing, things like uh, fits of anger, rudeness, impatience, and the destruction of relationships. It's like a poisonous seed that's going to eventually come out and almost assuredly bear poisonous fruit that's going to result in behavior that is really, in essence, folks, a lack of love. That's what, it, it's what the result is. It's a lack of love for others. Look what the Bible says about love. Now, if you've been to a wedding in the last two decades, you've probably heard this passage at that wedding. But I want you to pay attention in this context of thinking about bitterness, what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 7. It says, love is patient, love is kind, it's not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. It does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. It says right in that passage, it does not take into account a wrong suffered. Now let's be honest with ourselves for just a minute. We all have a tendency as human beings to keep emotional accounts in our head, right? Man, ugh, that, I'm, that, I owe that guy. He, look what he did to me. Man, I, I owe him. and I'm, I'm going to get him eventually. The tables will turn and I'll get him. Now we don't like to admit that we think that way, but it, it just comes into our minds. It's part of being a human, part of being a sinner. We keep these emotional accounts where we want to pay people back for the way they act towards us. But love says, listen, I don't keep score. I don't keep any accounts. No matter what you do to me, I'm going to act in love towards you. So bitterness is not just unforgiveness. It's really lack of love. It's just, that's just that simple. Now, God can't just expect us to take this laying down, can he? I mean, I, mean, I understand that people hurt our feelings accidentally and, and those kind of misunderstandings take place, and that's one thing. But, you know, some people, they do this on purpose. They're mean. They're rude. They are abusive. Does God really expect us just to take it? Now, think about this just for a minute. Let's, let's work this all the way through, Okay. They do something to us, we get angry and refuse to forgive them, 
and we are the ones getting eaten up with terrible feelings. You ever thought of that? I mean, a lot of times when people irritate me or they hurt my feelings or whatever and I get upset with them, man, they're, they're sleeping great at night. They don't have a care in the world. They don't care whether they hurt my feelings or not. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm worked up about it. I'm, and, and it's eating me alive. You see, forgiveness is not about just the best for them, but the best for us. Now, bitterness can affect both parties. I get that. But it always affects the bitter party. It always affects the person who's carrying and harboring bitterness. I don't think I need to spend a great deal more time convincing you that bitterness is damaging. All of us, uh, if we're over 10 and we've got an IQ over 70, we understand that bitterness hurts our lives. In fact, it doesn't just hurt our relationships, but it hurts uh, our, our spirit. It hurts our emotional side of life. It, it, it devastates us. In fact, it can even uh, have physical results in our lives. Uh, we're seeing more and more studies all the time uh, that come up that talk about, I didn't want to get bogged down and all that kind of stuff, but just look at the connectedness, uh, of a, connectedness of a person's emotional stability and spiritual life to their physical life. Man, people that are eaten up with bitterness, they're angry, they're mean, they're, they're just, they're, their physical life begins to suffer after some time. So what's the solution? What's the solution? We all get it. We all suffer from it at times. What's the solution? Well, Christ has forgiven us and he demands that we forgive others in the same manner. Now, I already don't like that <laughs> because it's a big challenge sometimes. Look what God tells us in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 and 32. He says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Now, if it stopped right there, that would be one thing. But he adds this line, as God in Christ forgave you. I mean, it's almost like, okay, listen, guys, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another just like God has done you in Christ Jesus. I mean, that last phrase just ups, ups the ante just in an incredible way. How do we turn bitterness and anger and wrath into kindness? By forgiving one another. God has given us a great example of not being bitter, folks. I mean, if anybody in the universe has a right to be bitter, God does. We're all sinners. We all go our own way. He gave us life, and we all do what we want to do. Now, that's not always like the worst possible scenario. We're not, you know, all, you know, a, a terrible, awful human beings, but we are. Because just by saying, God, I know better than you do. I want to do my thing instead of your thing, even if it's kind of good stuff sometimes, it's still rebellion. It's still rebellion. But he's given us a great example of not being bitter by sending Jesus to forgive our sins. We celebrate that here at Christmas. God sending Jesus into the world to be born of a virgin, to live his entire life with no sin, and then to give his life on the cross to pay for our sins. How did he forgive our sin? Look what it says in 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just 
to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, some people see that, and if you look at this verse just in isolation from any other passage, it looks like, hey, if you list all your sins, if you can confess everything you've ever done, he's faithful. But that's not really what it means. What it means is if we confess that we are sinners, if we confess that at the heart, at the core of who we are, we just desire to do what we want to do instead of what God wants to do, we have our own uh, set of morality, and we follow what we want, if we confess that and we ask him to forgive that, it says he's faithful and he's just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us, forgive all of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How does he do that? He does it by making a decision to forgive us. Nowhere in the scriptures does it say, and when we finally confess our sins to God, he will start going through a process where he works through everything you've done to him and over, the, over a matter of time, and of course, he'll finally get to the place where he finally lets your sin go and lets you be forgiven of it. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that. Folks, it says if we confess our sins, if we confess our sinfulness, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, all of them, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He doesn't go through a process he simply decides. He makes a decision. I'm, gonna dec I'm holding the stuff that you've done to me, and I'm deciding to let it go, to no longer hold anything against us, a debt that we owed, and he still doesn't hold it against us. Listen, God's forgiveness is complete. He forgives us completely of 100% of our sins. There's no leftovers dangling out there. He forgives us of all of our sins past that we've already committed, present, the ones we're currently doing, and the ones we haven't even thought about yet. He's already forgiven them all. He forgives us immediately. He doesn't go through a work, you know, work through a process. Let me, get, let me just figure out how to work through this. No. He's like, I'm deciding right now to do it. It's done. And then he does it unconditionally. He does it unconditionally, without any debt or guarantee of future perfection. Now, we, we try, we, we want to do right. When we come to know Christ as our Savior, we want to change our ways and have him help us to become more Christ-like. But he doesn't ask from us, hey, you commit to perfection now. Because if you go back to doing that other stuff again, that for, I'm, I'm taking this back. No, it's immediate, it's complete, it's all right there, it's done. I'm reminded of, uh, I love Christmas movies, and I'm reminded in Home Alone, which is actually one of my favorite Christmas movies, no matter how many times I see that when uh, Macaulay Culkin is uh, up on top of that building and he slings that brick down and you hear that, and it hits that guy in the face, I just, I love that, I don't know, there's something wrong with me, I get that. I love that movie, but I'm reminded in that movie there's a subplot Besides him just getting left at home, there's a subplot of a guy named Old Man Marley. Remember that guy next door? He's been estranged from his son for years. In fact, he couldn't even go see his granddaughter in her church musical because he couldn't be in the same room as his son. And so all he has to do is make a phone call, apologize for what's happened, and it restores their relationship. It not only restores his relationship with his son, but also with his granddaughter. And, and there at the end of the movie, you see him hugging his granddaughter. Man, 
And he missed seven years of that because he decided to carry that suitcase of bitterness. Now, before you uh, imagine something that I'm not saying, forgiveness is not an invitation to become a doormat. We need to understand this, okay? Forgiving is not the same as deciding to become a consistent victim. You hear that? Now, some of you are carrying around bitterness from people who have physically and mentally abused you, and some of them are still doing it. Forgiveness is not the same as saying, hey, I'm going to hold this against you no longer, so do it again. That's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is saying, hey, I'm going to put up some barriers. I'm going, to, I'm going to do some things to keep myself from becoming a victim and being abused all the rest of my life. But you know what? For the things that have been done to me, I'm letting them go. I'm not holding an account any longer. Oh, I'm going to protect myself, but I'm not going to hold an account any longer. Some people think that, that forgiveness means, oh, I'm going to forgive it and forget that it ever happened and just be, continue to be a victim. The Bible does not teach that especially if someone's being physically, mentally abused. And listen, all of us have dealt with toxic people. All of us have dealt with people that are really toxic to our lives, and we have to set boundaries. Some of them in our own families, where we're like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna love you, I'm gonna forgive you, I'm gonna have a relationship with you, but man, I, I, you, know, you, you can't come stay at my house for a month. That ain't gonna happen, okay? And it's not wrong to set up boundaries. Listen, Folks, if we are going to forgive like Jesus forgives, we've got to do it completely. We've got to do it immediately. We've got to do it unconditionally. And he says, listen, forgive others like I forgave you. We also see that forgiveness kills bitterness and brings us peace. I want you to understand that. God's telling this, uh, telling, is telling us this for our benefit, not for the person that has wronged us. Look what it says in Luke 6.28. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. Wow. That's what he expects out of those who say, I'm going to be a follower of Jesus. Look at Romans 12.21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now I want you to understand what this verse is meaning here. If you go into a pitch black room, uh, uh, have you ever seen on the wall a dimmer switch for the darkness? Have you ever uh, seen a way to go in and turn down the darkness so that it's not quite as dark? You can't do that. Dark is just dark. The only way you can get rid of darkness is to provide light. When you bring light into the room, the darkness gets pushed back. The darkness vanishes. What this verse is saying here is, you want to have, overcome evil from other people? Be good to them. You want to overcome evil? Do it with good. Because it pushes back the evil. We can't control them, but we can control how we respond to them. Now, when God says these things, it seems to be kind of contradictory to our fleshly desire to get back at them, doesn't it? Yes, yes, it is contradictory because our fleshly desires, that sinful nature that's born into us that makes us want to do those things is not godly. It's contradictory to God. 
Why does God do that? Well, two reasons. One, our flesh is almost always contradictory to what God's spirit wants us to do, almost always. Our flesh, what we want to do by our natural instinct, is a natural enemy of God and his holiness. Our natural instinct is to be sinful and God's spirit is holy. And that's why it feels that way, because it is that way. The second one is this. God is telling us to, to, to forgive others and to let them go free, basically. To free us, not the other person. Think about this. When we tell our kids, don't play in the street, are we ever thinking about the person in the car? Oh, I hope they don't hit my kid and go through a bunch of trauma and have to live with that for the rest of their lives. No, we're not thinking about them at all. In fact, probably in that moment, we're not even concerned about them. We're concerned about protecting our children, right? So we're telling our kids, hey, I don't want you to play in the street because I don't want you to get hurt. God is saying to us, I want you to forgive because I don't want you to get hurt. I don't want you to have to carry this. He's, I don't want to say he cares less, but my point is he's telling us all those things not because it's going to benefit the other person, He's not saying, hey, Michael, you need to forgive everybody who's wronged you so that they can uh, go to sleep happy tonight. That's not why he's doing that. He's saying, Michael, I want you to forgive everybody who has wronged you so you can sleep tonight. So you can have a happy life. So you don't carry around this horrible baggage of bitterness. I hope you hear that, folks. I hope you hear that. I hope you're already thinking of perhaps people that you might need to talk to, that you might need to apologize to. By the way, there are some specific parts of an apology. Specific parts of an apology are, I was wrong, I'm sorry, please forgive me. And then you just be quiet and wait for them to respond. If they don't, you've done your part. You've been at peace with all men. If they say, well, I'm not going to forgive you, you're a jerk, and you're always going to be a jerk, and I can't, okay. I've done everything I can to be at peace with all men. But it's important for us when we apologize to say, I was wrong. Not, oh, you misunderstood. You didn't, you didn't really understand what I was, no, I was wrong. Please forgive me. Uh, I was wrong. I'm sorry. I have sorrow for it. Please forgive me, because I'm asking for forgiveness. Listen, we're going to get ready here in a few moments to take the Lord's Supper. But before we do that, we're going to put this morning's sermon into practice. We don't always get the chance to do this, but we're going to do that today. And so I want you to examine yourself and practice forgiveness before taking the Lord's Supper. Look what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 27 through 29. It says, Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. Now we're studying through the book of 1 Corinthians right now. We're up to chapter 7. We'll get back into that after this Christmas series. And when we get to chapter 11, we're going to see that this is specifically talking about how the church is taking the Lord's Supper. But I think the principle exists for everything. Listen, when we come to the Lord's table to celebrate what God has done for us through Christ, 
He wants us to come with clean hands and a clear conscience. He wants us to be able to celebrate what what he has done for us without hanging on to all of this baggage. He wants us to put it down first and then just come and say, God, thank you. Now, here at Fellowship of Grace, um, we only take the Lord's Supper every few weeks. We don't do it every week. I know some of your churches you maybe you grew up in or, or um, that you have been at before do that every week. We don't do it every week because we don't want it to be something, become something that we just do by rote. Uh, we don't want it to become uh, just something we do every single week the same exact way. We want it to be special. We want it to be meaningful. We want to talk about it and have it have meaning for us when we do it. And by the way, there's, no, there's nothing wrong if you came from a background like that or if you've attended a church like that. The Bible doesn't say how often to do it or when to do it. It says to do it. And so there's freedom uh, there in that form. But we're going to do it today. But before we take the Lord's Supper, I want you to think about anyone, anyone that you may have bitterness or unforgiveness for. Anybody. Brian, if you could go ahead and come on up and start playing, please. Think of anyone that you might have some bitterness. Is there anyone that you're still carrying this bag for or about? Now, I don't expect you to work out in a few moments, you know, every issue you have in the world with everybody that you have issues with, okay? Uh, Unless it's maybe one of those situations where you just text somebody and say, hey, listen, I want you to know I'm sorry. I I was wrong. I was an idiot. Please forgive me. Totally my, just totally my fault. Please forgive me. But what I do want for us to do in this moment of time is to put the bag down. I want you to just say, listen, I am going to forgive them in my heart for everything they've ever done to me. I'm just going to set it down and let it go. I'm going to ask God to help me to do that. And then I'm going to text them and just say to them, hey, I need a, I need a time to get with you this week to talk. I, I need a time to get with you and maybe later today or this week or next week or whatever. Maybe you can't work out all the details right now of what's happened, but what you can do right now is offer forgiveness. Folks, I don't want that for their sake. I want that for your sake. I want you to face the rest of your life, this new year, without that bag of bitterness just weighing you down. So what I want you to do is I want everybody here to take out their cell phone. Take it out. Like, like really get it. Okay? Like put it in your hand. Put it in your hand. And if there's somebody you need to text, if there's somebody you need to text and say, listen, I, I, I apologize. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. I want you to just text them right now. If there's somebody that you're like, man, this is too complicated. I can't do that in one text. Fine. You offer forgiveness right now. And then you just text them and say, hey, listen, heard a sermon today, been thinking about you. Can I get with you this week? You can do that right now. 
Folks, we can't just keep coming to church and hearing what God wants us to do and how he wants us to be and then just go back to our regular lives. We gotta put it into practice. So right now, everybody just take a minute and if you need to text somebody, text them. Bible says to examine yourself. Is there any bitterness that you have? Pray for God's help to release it, to just let it go. This morning we're going to take the Lord's Supper. And this is a a practice that the church has done uh, since Jesus was actually with them on the night that he was betrayed. And it's a time to remember what he's done for us. God, through his love, wanting to offer us forgiveness, sent his son Jesus to die for us, that he would give his body, that he would shed his blood on the cross to pay for our sins, to offer us the forgiveness that we so desperately needed.